So I see we get right into it before this stuff fails again. How about that? <laughs> Let's power. Three, two, one. Welcome to Learn Videography, a podcast dedicated to mastering the art and business of becoming a full-time videographer. Presented by Industry Jump. Hosted by director Kyle Loftus and producer JJ Englert. Let's go. Welcome back to Learn Videography, your podcast to learn everything you need to know about becoming a full-time videographer. As always, I'm here with my co-host Kyle Loftus, and today is episode six of season three of Learn Videography. What's good, Kyle? How are we, my, my man? We are fantastic. Excited for the holidays, powering through, finishing off all these uh, final projects here, ready for a couple days off with the family. How about yourself, man? Yep, I, I feel that. Ready for the holidays, ready to take some time off. Uh, got a lot of personal projects, uh, stuff that I just want to catch up on that I'm looking forward to. Also, I just love Christmas and Christmas music. So let's go. Today in the episode, <laughs> we're going to be talking about preparing your company to scale with pricing and proposals and how to talk to your client about pricing, essentially standardizing this process from once your client asks you, what do you charge? And then what that scenario looks like all the way through talking through with that client to locking them in through a standard production agreement, sending them a proposal and getting them uh, locked and loaded for you as a future client for many more years to come. So let's get started right with proposals. Uh, what are proposals? Do you use proposals? Uh, and what is what is a good chance to use a proposal, right? Um, Kyle, if you don't mind, I'm going to bounce it right over to you. When do you see yourself using proposals? Like what kind of situations do they lend themselves good in? Um, first and foremost, I would say definitely like higher ticket clientele. Um, so -hmm. that's like my first key indicator I need to make a proposal is one. It's just like a super recognizable big name brand. Um, so for instance, you know, like I, I did past commercial work with Timberland. So obviously like I'm going to send Timberland like a proposal. I'm not just going to say like here it's $3,000 and it's because it's for video and editing, like, and just say that, you know, I'm going to give them more information. So high ticket client or like a big name or brand. Um, and then I think another indicator for me is if it's, uh, something more along the lines of a full campaign. So it, it might require um, a long-term relationship or a lot of work or outside of just a commercial campaign. You know, again, if it's someone that is looking to have a retainer relationship or a long-term relationship, that lends me more to um, dedicate more time to building out, again, a thorough proposal that uh, just makes us come, you know, me and my business come across more professionally, um, a bit more serious, skilled, and seasoned if you will. And then I think, you know, the other final indicator for me when to use a proposal, um, I guess two final ones. (laughs) So one really quick, if it's, it's someone Mm -hmm. like a potential lead or client I really want to work with, I'll go the extra effort. Um, and then the other instance would be say, for instance, um, me and a client are talking about a potential project, but I don't feel like they're buying into it quite yet. Or maybe it's a potential music video client, but they're, taking in, um, you know, they're, they're essentially taking in opportunities or options from other individuals. So, you know, if I want to make sure that I'm getting, I'm able to beat them out, typically this is more so with like a treatment, but sometimes I, I include it in a proposal. And so obviously make a really, really nice proposal. So hopefully that can help me stand out a bit more. Yeah. I, th- I think those are all great ways to use proposals. 
Um, I really like the idea too of like if you have multiple things a part of that campaign to clearly kind of lay out the prices for that. Yeah. Would you do you think the proposals come at the point of uh, you guys have already talked about pricing and now this is my proposal or is this the proposal first time you're talking about pricing and you kind of give them low, medium, high ranges for each of those options? Because I've seen both done. Yeah, you know, I think that's the that's the wishy washy part about filmmaking and, and this whole industry yeah. right is like every like you can kind of to each their own if you will right so i yeah. definitely find it that in both cases like i definitely go both routes again for me i think the the biggest indicator is like is this a big name in business um is it really recognizable or do i foresee myself having like a long-term relationship with them and mm-hmm. if those kind of, if I'm getting a good sense um, or intuition of, of any of those kind of indicators, then I'm going to make a proposal right from the get-go. Mm-hmm. However, in other cases, you know, if someone comes to me and we have a brief conversation on the phone um, talking about basic pricing, generally what I'll do is I'll send them an immediate follow-up that includes just a little overview of what we talked about in the conversation, a, a basic nice. breakdown of the pricing. And then typically what yeah. happens from there is we communicate via email or I'll get a creative brief from the client um, that'll give me a, a lot more information, which mm-hmm. allows me to then give them a hard final quote. So typically on a call or consultation, I'm giving yeah. them a rough estimate. Then uh, once I get enough information from them, I'll give them hard costs via a proposal. Um, so that'll kind of allow yeah. me because because a big part for me when i make proposals you know is at that point i've generally at least got a really uh solid understanding of the brand or what they're trying to do with this potential video or commercial what have you um so in that you know proposal i'm also including quite a quite a lot of information about like the style of the video um mm-hmm. or the photos again what it might kind of I- entail um and other elements just like that yeah i like that a lot you know what i've also seen work see work well is um individuals they have like their company websites right for their video production company and then they create a page on their website that's specific to their client and they put the proposal on that page and also on that page they'll embed like a video of like them talking to the client of like three to four minute video of like hey i'm you know this person i'm super excited for this here's what i broke down in this for you um and the reason why i love this approach and not many people use it is this proposal most likely gets passed around to a lot of people Right. And so if like the VP or the president sees this proposal and you guys have never talked before, that allows them to see your personality through that video and like a, a, a low key like value prop for them and maybe makes you stand out more than the others. Right. So it's a bit more work for sure. Um, but I, I like that approach um, to doing that. And, and if you can standardize that, so it's like this is your proposal. You put together a page on your website and every new client, every new proposal, you make a new page and that page is only visible to, you know, this client. You can send them that page. Um, I think that's ideal. And and maybe we'll even get into something like that with Jump Studios. Who knows? But um, one of the things I also like is giving them different options that they could choose, right? So like the low, medium and high, like, okay, so I understand what we talked about here are all the options that we can choose from for your video, depending on your price range and kind of list out the low, medium and high budgets and what each kind of entails. Right. And and that's hard to do because it's not like, Hey, low, you can get a, a crappy video. It's like, no low. It's like, realistically, this is what we'll be able to bring to the shoot. 
and you don't need to like list like a red camera or anything like that. But like, you know, I would say like three or four, uh, you know, people on set. These are the, these are the deliverables we'd be able to get you kind of thing. I think deliverables is the big thing here, right? Because they want to know what they're getting back. They don't really care as much about the crew or like the crafty or hey, you'll get catering, right? They just want to know the deliverables. And so right. you can connect those with the pricing. Um, and I think that's a good also way to upsell them without kind of like really hitting home like a car salesman on the phone. It's like, got what you want. Here are three options that we could do to, you know, really bring this home for you. Let me know what you want to do kind of thing. Send it their way. Um, and then from there, they can pick an option. And then after that, that's when the standard production agreement would come in of like, hey, you pick this option. Now let's get it inked up with, you know, how much you're going to pay in total. And then like the payment days or deadlines or how you're going to break up that payment like 50 50 75 25 that kind of thing right yeah i love that um i i I think that's great um it's definitely something i do i would just i would harp anyone listening you know when when going about pricing you know i think it's trying to find a sweet balance of you know giving enough information to the client to where they can make a decision on their own but also yeah. kind of making the decision for them, if that makes sense, yeah. you know? So I think like limiting it, for instance, to three package options, you know, like you shouldn't be going and giving your client six different options and then, yeah, no oh, we've got, that. we've got yeah. 15 add-ons that you can put, like, that's just overwhelming. And that actually yeah. kind of in a way can push the, push the client away. So a big thing, yeah. again, what I really like to use, and, and this comes again to the consultation part is educating the client, explain, you know, here are three different package options. Package A, you know, is the one I think is going to work the best for us. Package B is right in the middle and package C essentially, you know, is like bare minimum. Like I, I just won't even work get with you if, if you don't have this, this budget because I can't get you what you want and, and yeah. I'm not going to take your money unless I can give you exactly what you want. So again, what that also allows me to do then is further educate the client, which typically lends to them biting on a higher package anyways, is because, you know, they last thing you want to do at anyone, you know, is make an investment and then it doesn't pay off. Um, so yeah, I would just be, be smart and limit, you know, how much information, not necessarily how much information you're giving away, but how many packages and how many options. So it's not overwhelming for the client. Yeah. And also, you know, like keep the pricing, don't make it like five, 20 grand, 40 grand, you know, like keep it all within the ballpark of like, if they kind of signal to you that they're looking for like a $7,000 video, then I would give them something like, you know, um, maybe what would make sense? Five, seven, ten, or like, would you start the lowest would be seven and then go up from there? Like, what do you think would be a good approach? I, I kind of feel like if they say, if they signal around seven, then I'd say, you know, around like, you know, around five or six is the lowest option. Um, and then, you know, seven to eight and then like 10 to 12 kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, that's, that's pretty much spot on. Um, it kind of just depends for me if a client gives me a budget. Sometimes they don't even want to ballpark it. Um, but generally, mm-hmm. they'll at least give a ballpark. And so again, kind of to your to your example, JJ, you know, if I was given like $7,000 ballpark, I would probably do similarly like around 5000 for my lowest package. B, mm-hmm. you know, hitting the sweet spot right at around 7000 Then package mm-hmm. A would be like, in my ideal scenario, like if we could have this budget, we'd be a little bit over what you are kind of aiming for, but we could make something, mm-hmm. you know, I think would be exponentially better. Um, so yeah, yeah. With something like that, you know, I'd probably sit not, I, I generally try not to go more than like two or three K over. So I'd probably sit somewhere around, you know, nine to 10 K for that, that top tier budget. 
Yeah, and, and I think within a proposal, some things that would be good is, of course, we have the three packages, but also like within that kind of clearly defining the scope of the project, the timeline of the project, uh, you know, maybe any kind of payment terms that you're expecting. Very simple, like, hey, here's a proposal. Here's what we're looking to do. Here's the scope. Here's the timeline. Here's the pricing packages. And then below that, you know, like, pricing options or payment options of how you can make those payments so then you have all of those talking points and once you agree on all that then you can just put in the contract and get the contract signed yeah definitely so yeah. i mean with all that being said i mean should we just power on through to pricing now i mean what what else are we missing here with proposals you know i i think the last thing we should talk about and then we'll get on the pricing is just when do you do it you know i think you gave a good example of when you do it and I, I think it's, it's, but it, it could be for anybody. It's, it's a different story, right? So some people could just always do it. Like that's what they always do. Some people could say, Hey, once it's over like $5,000, I'll do a proposal. Um, so it's, it's up to you. There's no right or wrong answer. It's all what kind of work you want to put in, but also how you want your company to operate and, and, and whatnot. Right. Um, so. I think another benefit of like proposals is like you, you send out proposals and then, you know, you have pending proposals of like people are going to accept it or not. And so that's an easier way of you to kind of keep track from a company static, uh, statistic point of view of like, Hey, in March, we sent out $30,000 worth of proposals, $20,000 were accepted, but in June we sent out 60,000 and 80,000, you know, like, so maybe it could help you from a company business owner keep a better eye on like how many proposals you're sending out and then what, how much you're actually making. And then that ratio, uh, maybe that, that'd be helpful in that sense. But yeah, in terms of when to do it, when not to do it, it's up to you. Uh, it's up to how you want to you know, run your company this way. But um, I think the biggest thing is to come up with a, a template that works well for you. Uh, that's clearly branded, that's really easy for your client to use. That gives like a personal touch of what you bring to the table. Right. Um, and then uh, another reason why I like putting it on the website is like if you pass that client proposal along, but they want more info f about you, it, they, they're already on your website. So they can just go to your portfolio. They can go to your previous clients, your testimonies on there, right? And it gives them a really easy place to get that additional information. Um, again, if they are passing that proposal around. So whatever template works best for you is, uh, is the important part here. But yeah, let's get into pricing. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of things that we could talk about with pricing. Pricing is a, it's a loaded question. And, and again, it's it's to each their own, whatever works best for you. You you could talk about pricing in terms of, you know, what kind of deliverables you want. Uh, you can kind of, you know, talk about what kind of production they're looking for of like how big or small. Um, of course, talking about what kind of return on investment they're looking for. Right. So. When someone approaches you about, you know, pricing Kyle, um, let's say you get an email and say, Hey, I got a referral from this client. I'm looking to do, to do a commercial, you know, what's your, what, it, what would it cost? You know, like what are the things that are running through your head and then how do you respond to them? Oh, wow. Quite a lot. <laughs> um, so I think, you know, first and foremost for me, um, so no one's wasting anyone's time is trying to get a rough estimate idea of what their budget is and what their yeah. timeline is. Um, yeah. To me, those are the two biggest indicators of whether we can work together or not, because if I can't make Boom. your deadline happen, we can't work. It's just, it's not going to work. Um, or yeah. if you don't have a budget um, that I can work with, or, you know, that's going to allow me to create the kind of content I want to create or better, 
you know, then yep. it's, it's not, it's not really benefiting my business besides a paycheck. And, and again, you know, to each their own, but you know, to, once you get past, I think that two to three year mark, you know, you really shouldn't be just doing projects just for the paycheck unless you really, really need the money at the moment. Um, yeah. so, you know, I, I'm looking for those kind of indicators, asking questions around that. And then I think, you know, other key elements again, you know, are, are asking like, what kind of commercial are they looking for or how many different commercials um asking questions if i don't already know the brand like what is the brand what are you about what do you value um making yeah. sure that their values and, and beliefs uh align with mine as a business owner and operator um again you know is the style aligned with my kind of work as well you know so again like i love doing mm -hmm active sports action sports fitness based commercial work right like i'm i'm not a huge fan you're not really going to find um perfumes makeup. or makeup commercials right so if yeah. they come to me and approach me that way i mean potentially i might still take on the project but i'm more likely to hire like someone who specializes in that area to direct it and i'd probably mm -hmm. just like dp it or something like that you know That's rather than like taking yeah. it on as a director myself um so i'm asking a lot of questions to figure out again like who is the brand? What is their style? What kind of style of content work are they looking for? What's the price? Um, what's their deadline? Um, and then, you know, roughly from there, I can start to get an idea on pricing. But from there, it's just like very, it's starting to get into the more specific questions, right? Yeah. So again, like if someone wants to do a fitness-based commercial, um, what, what, what does that kind of look like? So I need to start getting some samples of work. Um, some previous videos that they like that kind of resemble what they're going for. So I can start to get an idea of the vibe. Like, is this something that looks like a Nike commercial that's going to air at the Super Bowl? Or does this look like, you know, a simple ad that might be for a startup company um, in regards to the reference videos mm -hmm. they're sharing? So again, that allows me to get a better idea of the kind of quality they're looking for from their video work. You know, I've, I've had clients that come to me looking for commercial work but they just want simple like iPhone footage. They don't need anything special. I um, mean, so that's great. That's good for them. It doesn't necessarily align with what I want to do. But if I'm not asking the questions or getting reference videos, I'm never going to know that kind of information. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, things like that, just again, getting getting pertinent and very specific information. So figuring out, again, like the style of the video, then asking just questions to the creative. Like, you know, do they envision like, is this a story-based video? Um, is it just, you know, kind of more of like a, a highlight just featuring the product? And if it is a story, or even if it is just highlighting the product, like, do we want to feature multiple demographics and ethnicities? Like how many people ideally do you want to see in the video? Do we want five to six different talent actors? Or do we want mm -hmm. just one? That's just the, the main kind of brand and face of the video. Do you want voiceover? Are you looking for any motion graphics, any animation? Um, essentially, you know, like it, this is your time to be like a questionnaire and, and get mm -hmm. as much information as possible. Now, personally, I like to do it on a conference call or in a person to person mm -hmm. consultation. However, you know, I, I know another way you can really get and approach pricing and arguably save more time than me, you know, is, is send out an actual questionnaire form and make sure the client mm -hmm. fills it out. And so I do have a brief one that I send to clients before we get on the consultation that gives me a rough idea of the information, um, this information I was just talking about. And so the, the benefit and the reason personally I do that JJ is because that allows me to pretty much know before we even get on the call, if the call is worth my time. Um, mm -hmm. so again, I'll know through before even hopping on the call, I'll know a rough idea of their budget, 
rough idea of, you know, the style of work they're looking for. I'll know what brand they are and I'll know um, the deadline they're working with as well. So all before I get on the call, I can kind of determine if I can even take on the project or if it's a maybe. If I can't, um, what I'll do is I'll shoot them an email, you know, see if they've got a higher budget. If not, you know, happy to recommend them to other individuals. If they do have a budget, then we'll get on the call. And again, that's where I'll start asking a lot of those very, very specific questions to the creative. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a lot. Let's try to unpack this. So I think the first <laughs> thing that comes to mind is like, Hey, a client, uh, what's your, what do you charge? Right. And then a quick response back, whether email, whatever is, Hey, you know, what's your timeline and what's your budget? Right. And if all of those things align, then that's, that's schedule a call to really kind of talk about your company in more detail. So you can start to frame a creative and approach around what's going to get them the best results with that in mind. So I think that's what we're getting into there. And then we can also do questionnaires before that first call to give you a better understanding of like, hey, we, we got short time together. So let's answer these questions ahead of time. So once we get on the call, we could just get right to it, right? So I love that idea too. Uh, and I don't think a lot of creators actually doing that yet. I think there is uh, a great way to kind of automate some of this process because the less time you're on calls with them, the more time you could be making money elsewhere, right? So if you can have a standard questionnaire that you send up before each call, that means you're spending less time on the call with them and you could be editing more, et cetera, making more money elsewhere, which efficiency, automation, love all of that. So what's your price? What's your timeline? Good, that passes through to the questionnaire phase. You get basic information in the questionnaire phase, then you have a 30 or an hour long call scheduled which then gives you everything that you need to put together the V1 proposal. V1 proposal is a template that you've already had, and now you're plugging and playing for this client, personalizing it to them, maybe recording a little intro video that summarize what you talked about in the call to put in that uh, proposal, and then the pricing packages. Pricing packages are, you know, broad range, nothing real specific yet. This is not like V1 budget or anything like that. Like this is like, hey, we're looking at, you know, we get you 5,000 here, 7,000 here, 10,000 here kind of thing, right? And then depending on what they agree on, then then you can actually start to put together a budget for your company based on that, right? So I think all of that is lining up. You talked about a lot of great questions of like what you ask on a call and what they're expecting, right? I think another question that we definitely need to bring up, which is just like, um, what are the, the results that they're looking to get out of it, right? And really to make sure that you're framing this proposal and this video to optimize and to get those results, right? So definitely a key factors there is like, I, I definitely stray away from, you know, you know, how many people on set, what kind of cameras you want, all that kind of stuff to how can we help your business succeed? How can we help your business reach their target customers? Who are those target customers? Where do they live? Where do they interact? Let's make videos specific to that type of content or that type of platform where they live all that kind of stuff, right? And framing the conversations in that light. Yeah, yeah, definitely 100%. I mean, I think that's a, a really kind of key element to the process um, that you mentioned there, JJ, especially, you know, just in the aspect of, um, again, just better understanding um, mm -hmm. and setting the expectations, you know, prior to beginning the, the, the project. Um, and I think in a lot of ways too, by asking those kind of questions, you know, you can better determine 
what to to set as the budget, you know, because I've I've had times yeah, yeah. where working with clients, like especially music video artists, you know, oftentimes uh, independent artists, you know, they're doing everything themselves. And so I've had clients mm-hmm. that, that come to me and we work and we do a project together in the past. And we we I didn't know this at the time when I was younger and I, we'd spend all the all the budget on the project and the client wouldn't have any money left over to actually run ads on the project. So they'd yeah, have yeah. to wait a bit of time before then we could release it to save up more money to then actually have yeah. the right campaign uh, or funding to, to do the right campaign yeah. for the video. You know, so that's it's a great point to bring up and definitely something to discuss with your client or potential client before, you know, really taking on a project. Right. And, and you you also want to know where those videos are going to end up so you can optimize those videos and those aspect ratios and, and those styles for those formats too, right? Like Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, all that kind of stuff. It all has its own certain ways of, you know, finding success. So I think that's really important too. You know, some other things to talk about is like uh, schedules and deadlines, right? Um, you know, when you talk about your client about payment schedule what is your go-to is it 50 50 are you 75 25 what's your go-to yeah i'm 50 50 um if it is if it's a project that i know is going to be uh let's say probably 15k or higher then i'm probably going to do like a 70 30 and so what i'll do is i'll do a 30 percent initial deposit um or excuse me 35 percent initial deposit 35% 35% due at the end of the production day. And then the final 30% mm-hmm. will be due upon delivery. Um, and the reason yeah. I just do that personally um, is just because sometimes with budgets, again, 15K or higher, I'm I'm personally essentially, you know, covering all those expenses and charges yeah. out of pocket ahead of, uh, ahead of time. So if I'm looking at 20K in expenses um, before the production is even over, I want to make sure I'm getting at least some of that money back. Um, so my business yeah. isn't kind of sitting sitting in the hole for a little bit there. So um, yeah, that's that's pretty much how I approach it. Um, but predominantly, yeah, it's a it's a fifty fifty. Yeah, one thing that I do is um, for bigger budgets, I'll do fifty percent up front, and then I'll do twenty five percent after immediate production is done, physical production is done, and then the rest of the twenty five percent on final delivery. So that way, it is a seventy five twenty five, but. The client feels better of like, hey, we just shot this video that sending the, the final 25, right? Um, or the, the second 25. So I've gotten, um, I think, more success with that. If you Instead of just asking 75, 25 up front, 50, 25, 25 works best uh, for those bigger productions as well. Um, so I, I like that a lot. Um, when it comes to, you know, deadlines. So this is a tough one, right? So how, like... At what point do you say, hey, you didn't pay this invoice, we're not good, or we're not going to do this, right? So like you mentioned you had a deposit, right? And then we also talk about like uh, in previous episodes I talked about we had a 50-50 agreement, but they didn't pay the 50%, the first 50% before the production actually started. You know, like let's talk about how we go about talking to the client about making those payments or else we can't proceed with the production kind of thing and, and how we have to not put it on them, but have that conversation with them. Yeah. I mean, do you want to take the lead or, or me? Because I feel like you, you've got that great story, you know, I mean, we've, we've yeah. used it in other episodes in the past, but I feel like that's a great example of, uh, of, of having those, <laughs> those conversations. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's, it's hard, right? Like those conversations are really hard. Um, you know, all of us, we don't want to 
take away money. Like we don't want to like say, hey, we can't do this project because you didn't make this deadline. We still want to get that money, right? So it's like we're doing everything we can to be flexible. But at the same time, we do have to also pay these expenses, right? So there has to be some kind of deadline or timeline that you hold them accountable for to to keep things going well with your business, right? And so that's up to you and what you feel comfortable with and your relationship with that client. It's also hard because we form relationships with clients, right? And then maybe they become our friends and we're texting all that kind of stuff. So you, you know they're good for it, right? But even though they haven't paid it yet, right? So that that gets hard. What I suggest is I, I don't actually do deposits. I just do a first payment. Um, I think deposits are great too, but I just do a first payment of like, hey, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks before the production starts, I need the 50% here because this is when I'm going to start spending a lot of money to get stuff for this production, right? And then it also gives me enough time to say, in similar with a deposit, if you don't make this payment then, now I have weeks before the production or a good amount of time before the production to figure out how I'm going to approach this rather than 50% the day before the production kind of thing. That just leaves you with the date and, you know, figure out what you're going to do. So I do weeks before production, uh, if you can, if the timeline is there. Um, and then if they miss that, I I could, I make it really clear in emails, like a written form that like, hey, you've missed this deadline. This is what will happen if you don't make this next deadline or if you don't get it by this date, we're going to pause everything. And that's not on us, right? Um, that's on you. And then you can also get into a situation of like, hey, what happens if they miss this deadline and then you incur extra fees because of such? That's hard as well. Um, so talk to me about like how you do deposits and what your model is there. Like if they don't pay the deposit, how do you proceed? Yeah. So similar to you, um, you know, I require a payment or the deposit made within at least, or excuse me, seven days prior to the production, seven business days um, to clarify. Okay. So kind of more like 10 actual days. Um, but mm-hmm. I require that prior to um, beginning the production. I'll follow up if I don't receive that deposit um, after a 24-hour period. Um, so 24 hours after when it was due, I'll send a follow-up um, via email. If I still haven't gotten it um, after another 24 hours, so it's 48 hours past due, um, I will send an additional follow-up email. If I have their contact information, their phone number, I'll shoot them a text as well. And then from mm-hmm. there, um, you know, I essentially uh, send a final follow-up. Um, I hate, I don't, I don't know how to else to determine it. It's not yeah. like a, I don't, I don't like saying threat, but it's essentially saying, you know, hey, if I don't receive payment by the end of business day today, um, the entire production is going to be delayed until further notice. Um, mm-hmm. and that's kind of where I we like sit that. with, sit with that. Um, and again, like, I, I don't want to, I don't like saying it's a threat again. Like I'm, I'm saying it in a very nice way, but it's essentially letting them know that like yeah. the balls in your court, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's up to you. If you really want to work and make this happen, like I need the payment by end of day today, or it's not going to happen for now. Um, and yeah. so again, you know, do it in a nice manner. But again, as you, as you mentioned, JJ, you have to be, uh, firm, you know, and, and you have to stand your ground with those kind of elements. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tough one. It's a tough one for sure. We want to be flexible and accommodating to our client, but at the same time, this is a business. We are negotiating and and working with a lot of different factors, contracts, people that we need to pay uh, and that we will be on the hook to pay, um, you know, if these things get moved. Right. So 
It's also good to have this kind of stuff in a production agreement saying, hey, these are the dates. And if you don't make payment by these dates, extra fees could be incurred, in, in, uh, added because we now need to pay these folks um, because of the delay. You know, for example, you book a gaffer for the day, right? And then you got to delay the production and that gaffer is now out of work for the day. You might actually actually have to pay that person, right? And that's an extra fee that's added to that agreement. So it's nice to have that in the fine print um, as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I would also add, um, you know, real quick, just briefly, when we're looking at, um, you know, payments getting made, I know we kind of talked about the deposit side of things, but I think an important mm-hmm. element to talk about too is post post side of things, right? Like after we've finished the video, you know, that process of, of delivering the video, but making sure that you actually get paid. Um, so not to just gloat and shout out Jump Studios here, but again, like I think that's one of my favorite things about using, you know, the me- media sharing option with Jump Studios is is being able to share content, share media with my client, mm-hmm. but have the security of knowing that they cannot download the content until I release it for them to do so. Yeah. So it allows me to yeah. protect myself and my business and make sure I get that final payment. But what I love too yeah. is it doesn't make me seem stingy or like I'm all about the money. You know, it says yeah. like, hey, I want you to see the video. Like I want you to give me feedback and make sure you're happy. Um, Cause I think, you know, a difficult thing I used to do in the past or, or I'm sure a lot of you guys listening is like, you know, it's this wishy-washy back and forth of like, okay, I need final payment for the video. And they're like, well, I need to see the video before I give you final payment. Cause I want to make sure it's not trash. Mm-hmm. And so there's this constant mm-hmm. back and forth that can maybe lead to a little bit of like friction, butting heads a bit. And so that's what I love about jump studios. No friction, no butting heads. Let the client know, hey, no problem. You're going to get to see the video or videos. You know, you can see them five days before you you make final payment, but understand until you make final payment, you're not getting the videos. And then as you mm-hmm. mentioned, JJ, I think it, it's really important to etch things like this, like you mentioned, deadlines in the agreement. Um, so that was something, you know, again, that myself, I, I failed to do in the past that now is in my agreement. So Specifically, you know, meet, failing to meet deadlines results in incurred fees. Um, additionally, as we kind of talked about, you know, if, if I'm not getting um, the phone calls made or if I'm not getting confirmation and deposit made in time, that can lead to additional incurred fees. Um, and then this is just kind of a random side note I just want to mention because I've had this experience a lot. Um, I also like to etch in my production agreements when, um, you know, the, the production is deemed over. Um, and the content is now your responsibility. Um, mm, and so I, I do, like that. I do like to keep backups on physical hard drives. However, mm-hmm. I can't afford to keep all my clients work online in cloud mm-hmm. storage. And additionally, I can't tell me how many clients have come to me months after a Years project and said, said, Hey man, I was, I was in my, I was in my Dropbox and I couldn't find anything. Dude, we worked together eight months ago. What are you talking like? You didn't download it. So, mm. you know, that would lead to having to go out of my way to upload more content, make sure the client is happy if I'm traveling mm-hmm. or shitty wife, like it's just more headaches. So again, you yeah. know, that's just a brief thing I want to mention. Make sure you guys are etching something like that in your agreement, just in case you get to a point um, where you don't have any more space or, you know, maybe you don't like to keep fi- a bunch of physical hard drives lying around. You want to get rid of the footage once you're done with it. Like, that's okay, but make sure you have something in there to protect yourself because mm-hmm. I've definitely had that happen in the past where a project was done eight months down the road. Um, they wanted the video footage. And I just didn't have it anymore. Like, it was just... Sure. 
gone. Sure. Um, so that was it happens to all. That of us. was a that was a terrible um, that was a terrible moment in my career. <laughs> um, so just, it, just learn from my my mistakes, y'all. <laughs> it's very common though. Like I've had this happen many times to me, even like years later, where they're really? just like, "Hey, you, you like do you have this video still?" And it's like. It's crazy. And like, so we're, <laughs> we, we have to set this expect. We don't, we need to communicate that. That's important to communicate. I'm glad you brought that up. Like when is a production over? How, like, when are you off the hook of storing this content for them? Like, and I think you need to spell it out in their agreement that like, Hey, once I deliver this to you, this is your responsibility, right? Maybe I'll hold backups or raw files for six months, put that in the contract. But after that, I'm free to let go, Right. Um, and that kind of thing. And I guess on the topic of like, do you, you don't give out any kind of raw footage or anything like that. Like when you do a production, like, do you give them the op- op- opportunity to like buy the raw footage and the project files? Like, where do you stand on that? It's not really, but to be honest, it just kind of depends. Um, if it's, uh, if it's a client who I have a really good relationship with, I really trust them. No, they're not going to. I don't know, do something bad or, or I don't know, just something wrong or what have you with the footage. I'm, I'm more, um, likely, or I'm, I'm more willing to, to share the footage. Um, again, to, to use a current project, for example, um, I have some really good friends of mine, um, that, you know, I have a really good personal relationship with as well, um, that have their own business and brand as a startup they've launched. Um, and so, you know, to me, I'm, I'm more than happy to kind of share project files with them and raw files with them, um, to kind of continue and work on those things together. But again, I want to be very clear in, in stating that like, these are, these are very close friends. And even with that being said, that doesn't necessarily mean Mm -hmm. that I'm necessarily making the right decision here. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's, there's definitely benefits to never giving up the raw footage. Um, you know, I think the biggest positive to that is, you know, the client is forced in a hand that like if they want more content from this production or they want more edits made, they have to come to you. They have to hire you to do it. So there's yeah. a lot of big benefits to that. But for me personally, you know, at the end of the day, um, I have a lot of confidence in my skill set and abilities and what I can do and produce for clients. And so for me, it's more important to have a really good quality relationship that lets the client know like, mm-hmm. Hey, like I'm, I'm looking out for the best for you. I want you to succeed. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just want to kind of come along the way with you, you know? So sometimes, you know, yeah. if that means giving out some or all of the raw footage for an additional price or sharing project files, um, I'm willing to do so. But again, it's, it's just, it's very specific, very little. And it really just kind of depends on the client. It's a situational kind of thing for me. Yeah. Two more things. And then I, and then I think we could finish up here. One is that I want to talk about your local market and how you can you need to be aware of the pricing of your local market. And then the second one is how you talk about or how you do your process increasing your prices, right? So let's quickly get into the local market stuff. So I think the important part here is you just need to know what you can charge in your market, right? Um, each market is different and each you know, industry or each market has different players or different amount of players. Like in LA, it's so saturated that it actually maybe is a little cheaper in some areas to make production. Um, uh, whereas maybe Florida or smaller other suburbs or, you know, Iowa or whatnot, uh, states, suburbs within the states, of course, um, cities, um, 
that it's like, hey, you're the guy and there's no one else around. And then you could put like a premium on that, right? And I think it's important for you to find out where you are in that situation and to find out what others around you are charging, right? And to do some market research there. So you're kind of aware of, you know, your prices, where they come in at. And that kind of gives you more confidence of like, hey, I know that this is the best price you're going to get and the best quality you're going to get in town. So it might be a little higher than you want, but I'm your guy or girl. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I, I think that's really, really important and key factor. And and if if you guys are asking how to do that, you know, I think for me, one of the the simplest and easiest ways was just getting more involved. You know, in my local market and community, um, talking, yeah. working with other creators, getting an idea of what kind of pricing they're doing, what packages they're offering. And I think a key indicator mm-hmm. to pay attention to too is is aligning yourself with individuals or businesses that are creating the kind of work you want to create and or are creating mm-hmm. in this moment. Um, additionally, yeah. you know, a quick tip I could recommend. Um, I don't know. Maybe this is maybe this isn't the right thing to do. But <laughs> when I first moved to Florida, a quick uh, trick I used personally was actually I uh, reached out to quite a few video production companies and just made like very, very right. basic, simple, um, you know, inquiries for a music video and for a commercial um and did those just to kind of get a rough idea of what they were kind of pricing and quoting um so that was a quick and easy way for me to get a pretty accurate idea of what some of the local vendors are charging without having to kind of put forth a ton of effort and research if you will and really playing around in the market It, it also allows you to see how they communicate how they respond right and what their brand present is throughout that process and you can kind of build yours around that but also make sure it's elevated so i like that approach it's a it's a little shady but i like that approach <laughs> a lot uh good research hey i was young um, i was young okay <laughs> yeah you know let's get into like raising your prices because you know we we want to make money this is a business we want to grow our business we want to earn more money over time right so each year we buy more gear we you know level up our skills um and you know, there's two situations. There is our existing clients, how to raise pricing on existing clients, which is tricky, and then new clients, yes, right? And so raising prices, I always start with like, hey, new clients, when new clients clients come around, this is just my new rate for this year that I tell them, right? And that's hard because a lot of our new clients come from referrals, and those referrals have most likely talked to the other clients about what they charged, right? So... I think the thing is, is you need to have a real clear guidance on what you're looking to do and the prices that you're looking to charge or increase and, and why that might be happening if you need to justify it. Um, but for me, it's like, hey, current clients, I slowly try to get each project up and gradually go that way if I can. And then new clients, that's when I take the biggest step of like, hey, normally for these videos, I did five grand last year, but now I want to charge seven. Uh, and if I, if anyone ever came to me, and was like, Hey, well, I got referred and they, you charge them five, be like, well, I understand that was that video. But since then, you know, we have, you know, grown our team, our supplies, our crew, our equipment. And, and you know, that's, this is the price now kind of thing. Um, how do you approach it? Yeah, really. I mean, the same boat. I mean, I think just as you mm-hmm. kind of briefly mentioned there, JJ, I think the most difficult part really is is dealing with um, the current clients or clients you've worked with in the yeah. past, um, especially ones that maybe haven't worked with for, for quite a bit. 
Um, you know, so I have yeah. some, for instance, again, music videos, um, some clients I have that, you know, I'm working with every two to three months, others, you know, I get hit up every month to a year, um, for, for projects. And so sometimes that can be a difficult conversation because, um, yeah. prices change, prices jump, uh, they fluctuate. And so again, as you mentioned, you know, being able to just, again, communicate clearly to the client why the price has changed and adjusted. It's not just like, mm-hmm. It is what it is, you know, explain to them that, you know, you yeah. have, you have learned, you have acquired new skills, new assets, you've grown your team, um, you've improved the equipment you're using, um, enhanced your software features, um, you know, the digital assets you can use to make videos better through editing and post-production effects and motion graphics, mm-hmm. all those things, you know, clearly letting your client know that like, hey, I'm not just charging you more up. because I want to make more money. I'm charging you more because we've invested this much kind of money, if you will, into our business, you know, where our, our value mm-hmm. is higher, the value and the quality content we can provide is better. Um, and so therefore, you know, we're charging a higher price. Yeah. What do you think, son? Uh, and this is different. This is uh, different for everybody. But you know, like 10% increase every year, 20% most increase every year, it differs for everybody. What do you think is like a healthy range? Yeah, I mean, I think I think ten to twenty percent um, is yeah. is pretty healthy, and I think it's a safe but quality kind of state to grow at. I'm trying to think yeah. personally, like a percentage wise, if if I ever made a jump that was that was quite a bit bigger than that. Um, I, I think it happens when you just find it like a one off client that comes to you with a big video, right? And I think that's understandable, but it's harder when you start doing that consistently, right? Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, once you get that bigger client, that bigger video, put it on your portfolio, then it's a little easier to start charging those bigger those bigger rates. Yeah. I think really, I, I guess for, for me or for you guys listening, really, I think one of the key things to take away from this, you know, is is to make sure that you're kind of getting somewhat of a standardized system of pricing, I think, you know, is, is mm-hmm. really the important part. Um, you know, to one, make sure you're not just changing your price with every single video, but there's a level of consistency to the pricing as well as, you know, why it is priced at what it is, what that entails. Um, so yeah. having having somewhat of consistency in that. And then again, you know, I think it's great. What, what's also really great about building a standardized system is that it's just simply kind of, uh, you know, adjusting um, every single year, you know, the, the price. You don't have to kind of... Um, add things in or reanalyze in the sense of, you know, what your business is, is doing or what you offer, right? Like the services are already there, lighting, lenses, mm-hmm. et cetera. Like it, it's just a matter of, of fluctuating or again, adjusting the prices based on how many more lights you've acquired, maybe how many different lessons um, or master courses you took, different things like that, you know, that again, add more value to yourself as an individual, as well as your business. Um, And also a reminder that uh, you can join our Slack channel, talk to Kyle and I in Slack. Uh, The Slack link is uh, in the show notes. You can go there, join our own private Slack channel. It's a community for Jump Studios where fellow business owners are there, talk and shop, we're just getting started now, but great opportunity to get some more FaceTime with Kyle and I, ask us some questions. Um, it, it's an honor to get a review from each of you. It really helps us understand what we're doing uh, good and what we can improve on. Uh, so if you have a time, uh, a second, takes like two seconds, head on over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. We will really appreciate it. 
But otherwise, that's the end of episode six for today. I hope you guys learned a ton about pricing. I hope that you could take this knowledge, embed it into your clients and, and book bigger deals, grow your revenue year over year, get a structure to how you approach this process with the clients, you know, make sure that again, it's it's all about them. And you, you just have terms that you need to lay out for yourself and your business. But these terms are so they can you can get them the results they need. Uh, and that's why they're coming to you. So you can catch us on Instagram at Learn Videography. You can catch Kyle at Cal Visuals, myself at JJ Englert. You can follow Industry Jump at Industry Jump and Jump Studios at jumpstudios.io on Instagram. Otherwise, been a great episode. Kyle, thanks for tuning in with us. Appreciate your insight, your expertise as always. Glad to be partnering with you on this thing. Hope you have a great week. Yeah.